Welcome to Success with Style, everyone. I am Bob Giardinelli. Hi, everyone. I'm Lance Avery Morgan. And guess what? We are here at the Four Seasons with the Holland Taylor. Miss Taylor, welcome. We're so glad to have you here. Thank you very much. I'm glad you invited me. We're thrilled. You are here in town in Austin for yes. lots of reasons, both yes. personal and professional. We're going to yep. chat about that. Yep. But you've been on a roll. Yeah, I mean it's really <laughs> cracking. I don't know. I don't know how far. I don't know how far they're going to go with this and keep me ambulatory for far into the <laughs> distant future. But I've got a lot of jobs coming up. You so. can't keep a good woman down. No, and that's certainly my a supreme attitude. actress like you. In fact, thank you kindly. I've I, I've grown up watching you because you've been on just about every fun uh, sitcom, romantic comedy since. 1970 something 80 something, something? Like I saw that. you on the yeah. edge of night too. horseshit at the radio of uh, the rodeo oh, okay <laughs> horseshit at the radio <laughs> no that's not quite what I meant but you were on edge of night the soap opera back in the I day did, I did edge of night for one year it was the it was the year before they started paying people on soap operas real money that was the year Darn before the luck. Was, I did it for, <laughs> for, for one year. Uh, that was all I needed to do yeah, that. But right. that was very interesting. Was that great training for you? Well, it was in a way. Uh, you really have to work very fast, and you have to be very sharp on your feet. And I, I did learn a lot from that, absolutely. Oh, but the soap opera life was not something I wanted to keep up for too long. Gotcha. That's for sure. Gotcha. But I, I was a character who I was so evil that I both died of natural causes and was murdered by my own father <laughs> the same day. <laughs> you know, things happen, especially back in the 70s in Soapland. But I remember they used to say it was the edge of oh, night. night. Right. It was very foreboding, <laughs> yes, right? Yes. It's almost kind of scary for a little kid. Well, it's a great title if you yeah. think of The Edge of Night. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. So things that, happen. That filmed in New York, if I, be, if, it did. If I believe. What, it did. Was, what was it like to live in New York in that era? Well, when I first moved to New York, I, I remember that, you know, you got pissed off if you couldn't park right in front of your building. So it's a very <laughs> different way of life. Now you have to park in Rhode Island <laughs> to, to be anywhere in Manhattan Those if you're days. stupid enough to bring a car into right. that city. Right. But it was a, and, and it's funny because every generation feels the same way. Every generation, when you're someplace wonderful, they always say, oh, if you could only have known it back in the day, because there's always back in the day. Right. And my heroes were the writers and actors and poets and pundits from the 30s and 40s. And what New York must have been like then. I know. I mean, my God, it's hard to imagine. Because life was was much easier in New York in those days. It's a very hard life now. Yeah. Very rugged. It's such to be young and creative and really afford it, right? Well, it's very expensive. You know, people in their 40s and 50s still have roommates because you can't live as as a solo person in New York and have an apartment that's all your own is a very costly affair mm. and uh, I, I the last time I was there for a play was doing front page on Broadway and that was I remember thinking man this is doing eight shows a week getting around yeah. town mm. doing all the other things that you have to do by the time you get to the theater at night you know you're already exhausted and right. you have this big three-act play coming up yeah so it's, it's gotten pretty hard in new york well the pretty theater difficult. takes a lot of discipline acting is a lot of discipline it does it, the theater is a very disciplined life and it's a very orderly life i actually prefer it to filming because of that right i like knowing what my life will be and being able to you know, take care of myself and plan for myself as mm-hmm. best as possible. Absolutely. Which the theater lets you to do, but it's very demanding. Right. You have to you have to meet a very, very rigorous schedule. And uh, you know, like when when I did Anne, I mean 
I actually got the full evil flu while I was doing Anne, and it was not a show in which I had an understudy. Oh, gosh. I said, you oh, have wow. to go on. So, right. Yeah, it's, it's um, when the show must go on thing is really quite something when you encounter it. Well, not only did the show go on, you were nominated for a Tony. I was indeed. So congratulations. It was a great honor. Wow. It was a great honor. Somebody who was on the nominating committee told me the play came very close to getting nominated, too. Oh, gosh. Which would really have been wonderful because... Uh, I think because of the nature of my doing and having created the thing myself, I don't think people turn their attention to the play that much, mm-hmm. like thinking right. that it could be a good piece of theater literature, which right. it in fact is, which right. is why it's happening now. It's happening all over the country. People right. are, major regionals are picking it up to do as a script, right. as a viable, very viable script. And uh, I'm very, very proud of that. Well, it is. And I had the good fortune of seeing you play the role of Anne the last time the lo- the last time you played it when you were here at Zach oh, Scott here Theater. In, yes, yeah, here yes. in Austin. That's the one that was and filmed. Yeah. No. It was so exquisite on every level. You captured Anne in a way that I don't think I've ever seen a performer capture a historical you know, a historical figure. Well, it was a, really high praise. It was really just Spectacular. I mean, I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. It was so well done. Boy, thank you. That is really lovely to hear. I never tire of hearing it. I'm, I'm like, uh, like m- most performers. I, I never really carry with me the sense of, of having succeeded just as a, a matter of course. So it's always wonderful to hear that, particularly about this project, which is certainly the most meaningful achievement of my life. Yeah. <clears throat> so tell us about you know about Ann Richards and what about her? What what about her essence drew you as a person to her? Well, I think, you know, like many people, I just adored her. And she was a person in my universe that I think meant more to me than I knew. Mm-hmm. Because when she died, I was just thunderstruck. Yeah. I, I mean, she was 73. She was very young. Mm-hmm. It was sort of almost completely unexpected. And it just seemed not possible that Ann Richards would not exist. Yeah. And uh, I stayed mournful for, I, I had met her once, but that really had nothing to do with my admiration. I'd always loved her for, for everything that was in her essence that translated to an adoring public. Mm-hmm. She really was a person whose integrity and uh, faithfulness was, was evident. You just knew she meant what she said and that right. she said what she meant. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it, her loss was just very grave, and I realized my mourning was not just for me, but for the country. Yeah. And she was one of the great American voices. And I stayed mournful for so long that I started to question myself. I said, you, you, you didn't know her personally, really, and mm-hmm. why are you so undone? Mm. And I realized I had to do something creative with all my feelings just for my sake. And so I thought, I must do something about her. And I Realize, well, I am an actress. I, I guess I, su- I could maybe perform her. Uh, and it, I started thinking about it that way. I thought, I know people who worked with her and admired her, like Norman Lear and George Clooney. I should talk to those guys about getting a movie of the week or something about her. And I thought, I could play her. I could indeed. And mm-hmm. I started reading more about her and learning more about her. And I never did anything about it. And one day I was driving to work. I was doing Two and a Half Men at the time. And I was berating myself for not having acted on my impulse. Why aren't you getting in touch with these guys? And it came to me like a thunderclap, like somebody smacked me on the forehead. You haven't gotten in touch with them because it's not meant to be Mm. on TV. Mm -hmm. It's a play. It's a live performance. It's a play. 
where she's directly speaking to the audience mm -hmm. as she did. And I, I was overcome with the sense that this was it. And I, I pulled over. And in the 15 minutes or so that I sat there on the service road on the way to Warner Brothers. <laughs> on the 101. Not these, a safe place to pull over. These, uh, well, it was the side road by oh, okay. Barham Boulevard there. And I, the four or five organizing principles of the play came to me. And they remained the organizing principles of the play. Wow. And, and these then, are folks you had worked got, with before. <clears throat> I beg your pardon? These are folks you'd worked with. No, no, no. I, no, no. The, the principal ideas for oh, what see. the play gotcha. would I'm sorry. I be, see. how it would be shaped. Fantastic. What, is, what its effectiveness would be, what ingredients it would have. Right. Uh, and so then I knew, well, of course, I must research it. I must take a significant amount of time to really got to know my subject profoundly well before I put pen to paper. I did spend about three years profoundly doing that. I turned down other work. I was, did the, the, I, I actually left the cast of Two and a Half Men as a regular. I said, I will visit from time to time. I have to focus on this. And after about three years of very intense research, I have a tremendous amount of material from the archives. I got to know very well about 20 of her most close associates and family members mm -hmm. and members of her government and who are often one and the same. Mm -hmm. And also a, a great deal of her speeches and about 300 hours of film of her. And I just submerged myself in her persona because my object was not to write a history or biography or any didactic mm -hmm. material that was a, right. a teaching thing. It was, I simply felt if I captured her persona, the inspiration that she traveled with would come along with that. And gotcha. that her, her capa enormous capacity to lift people up, uh, to lift their lives up, would, would travel with the play. And it and apparently did to some degree, because I think most people find the play very experiential. Mm -hmm. you know, just experience this person. And I remember even Julie White, who is the Broadway actress who did the voice of her secretary in the office scene. She came back to see the play in its final performance on Broadway. And she came back into my dressing room and she burst into tears and she said, uh -huh. this play just makes me want to be a better person. Wow. And I think that's the effect it has on mm -hmm. people. Right. Was one of, you say you were thunderclap. Was one of the, the moments of being thunderclap the fact that you would set it in her office? Did you think yes, that that was, that was, well, that was here, part of it? The, the, give you an example of the things that yeah. came to me. First of all, I got right away. She was a great public speaker, as I need not say. It's the most obvious thing thought of her. Mm -hmm. and, and she also gave thousands of graduation speeches. But a graduation speech has the particular quality of addressing large themes, mm -hmm. of having humor and having warmth, right. and of speaking to the generations. All mm -hmm. the generations are present. True. And you speak from one to the other and to the group as a whole. Your message should be, uplifting and significant. There should be humor and understanding present. Mm -hmm. So all of those qualities were all about Ann Richards. But I thought within the context of a graduation speech, because you were in the theater, you can literally talk about being elected governor and while you're talking about that, you're walking into the area where the entire office of the governor emerges from the darkness behind right. and comes forward and then you see her an hour in the life of the governor. Mm -hmm. And it was, the, it's the centerpiece of the play. It's mm -hmm. the jewel in the play. Right. That's where you see her in action, which is where you mm -hmm. see that 
the force of that persona and all the different ways that she affected people in action. Mm -hmm. And then during the bookmark uh, aspects of the play, which is the graduation mm -hmm. speech, you see some, uh, some of her history, which made her who she was, which is her foundations. Mm -hmm. And then you see the things that she would like to leave behind, behind. as she leaves. Right. And it is a visitation because it, that's, well, I don't want to give too much away, but uh, several important key aspects of the play came to me in that first moment, and they guided me as I created it. And that just and it helped yeah. it to form it, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, so, as Rob said, you were truly magnificent in it, and you kept the entire audience spellbound. Like It was one of those you could hear yeah. a pin drop sort yes, of thing. Yes, And then afterward, you did a Q&A with a group of, of politicos, female politicos. Yes, we were yes. there that night. Yeah. And so we observed some of that, and, it, and how great for them to see you reenact what Ann Richards would have been like and for them to understand what that is like to be a person in politics much right and, and a woman in politics right. which i would believe would be very challenging and the challenges yeah absolutely. right tremendous challenges do you think she'd be president by now i think she, had she in been, a different era if she had been 10 years younger when she left the governor's office yeah had she been 50 instead of 60 she would have been our first president she had all the big qualities yeah. she had the she had a generosity of spirit that that Republicans and Democrats uh, cross the aisles to embrace her, mm -hmm. her potent leadership, her right. generous, inclusive leadership. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I absolutely think that she would have been the one, had had it had it been chronologically the right period right. for her. Right. But she, I think she will remain a, a great American icon, and not as a politician. I mean, when I wrote this play. Yes, there is an element of politics present, but like if you wrote a play about about Amelia Earhart, right. it would not be about aviation, mm -hmm. but there would be the subject of flying in the world of flying and all right. that that meant would right. be present. Sure. But it would be about her heroism, her uniqueness, mm -hmm. her particular spirit, mm -hmm. uh, her adventuresomeness. So this is the same thing. Politics is the world that she's in, part of the play. Right. But it's really who she was as a person. In fact, I often say that about Anne. It's not what she said. It's not what she did. It's mm -hmm. who she was. Mm -hmm. That's what counts. Yeah. And she reflected a very dynamic Texas spirit. Yes. yes. And certainly a dynamic Texas woman. And as you've gotten to know folks who knew her, many of whom were women, do you see that? Is that a common thread? I, I absolutely do. There is a certain kind of Texas woman who just cannot be stopped and who right. and who appeals to everyone and who mm -hmm. has just some innate attractiveness yes. that's hard to really name. Mm -hmm. But they can they can deal very well with the good old boys because they're good old girls. Right. Yeah. And and that's what Anne was. You know, she, she spoke the language and she she walked the she walked the talk and she walked the truth. She right. walked a true line. Well, your portrayal was so authentic that I I think a lot of people like myself went to find out when was Holland Taylor in you know when were, when were you born in Texas, right? You weren't born in Texas. I but you're an honorary Texan. I I'm an honorary Texan <laughs> and you know the I say this with some trepidation but the fact is I really feel that I was in some way uh Drafted isn't quite the right word. I was. I really feel chosen to have done this. I really Anointed, feel. Right. Anne, I really feel that Anne had a hand in it because mm -hmm. it's utterly mysterious otherwise. Mm -hmm. uh, I am Philadelphia born and bred. I'm an Easterner. I'm, I'm a Yankee. <laughs> I had been in Texas when I got involved in this. I had been in Texas a total of about three days. Mm. They're shooting in one of the Spy Kids mm -hmm. pictures. Mm -hmm. I really didn't have, and I, I'm not a good mimic. I didn't have a feel for the accent at all. 
And uh, I love everything about Texas. And of course, I've come to really love it now that I've spent so much time here and so much time with Texans who are a wonderful breed. Uh, but it's a mystery why yeah. I should have had such a feel for it. Right. And there have been so many wonderful blessings that the play received, being invited to be at the Kennedy Center, at, mm, at Lincoln mm, Center, right. uh, all the success, that all the things that helped it along the way were kind of magical. And I, I, I really feel that I was somehow plucked, plucked out of the universe to, yeah. to do this. I really yeah. feel that it was a, a mission. It was a compulsion. It was an obsession. Mm -hmm. It was something that had nothing to do with like, oh, here's a good idea yeah. to do a play about. First of all, I was when I performed Anne on Broadway, I was 70. I'm sorry, that's not when you sort of start doing one-person <laughs> shows that are, you well, know. Carl Sandburg's Lincoln two hours, on Broadway. Two hours long, you know. It's, yeah. it's, uh, well, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of very, very difficult. How work. do you prepare for something like that? You know, uh, well, that's, a that's a lot of pages to read. That is a lot of energy to expend how, how well, does one of course, prepare I'm not for that reading it. i mean it's very much it's very active it's a real theatrical narrative there's no i mean it's very it's very lively and of course the whole section in the governor's office where she's on right. the phone with and calling off to her secretaries and uh, i mean it's 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 it feels like a play with 20 people in it it does, it does. Right. right doesn't it yeah and uh, so it's very very lively it's a very lively theater piece and of course it's not ann richard's it's not taken from her writing or from speeches. Right. Or it is a, it's a play. Mm -hmm. It's a narrative play. It's your and vision of her. So, uh, absolutely. And, you know, it's certainly got the stamp of approval from her family and from her government, from her closest friends in government. And, uh, in fact, Cecile said I, she even wrote a beautiful forward for the, for the play, which is very kind of her, in which she says something like, books will be written, biographies will be written, documentaries mm. will be made, but no one has captured the voice of my mother better than Holland Taylor. Wow. So, what a And compliment. I, I say yeah. that only like, I say it with a kind of wonder myself because mm -hmm. this whole experience of needing to do this, of the work that I put into it before right. it became a reality, of my effort in doing it, I've done it in eight theaters. I've done this play mm -hmm. seriously. And under great duress, I mean, eight a week on Broadway for 151 performances yeah. put you in the hospital. Heck yeah. And so it was like, it's all been a blessing that has come to me, fallen right. on me like right. a mantle. Yeah. So for, I'm the privileged one. I'm the lucky one. Mm -hmm. I was privileged to work like that. And the riches that I've gotten from it, the inner riches, cannot be matched by any other thing in right. my life. Mm -hmm. And Texas has been good to me. Texas has welcomed me. Why, I don't know. I feel blessed by uh, by the welcome I've had from Texas. Oh, that's so great. Well, yeah. it's, it's probably the largesse of spirit that you exude as Ann Richards. It's all one sort of thread and current that runs through it all. Well, it's, it's all connected. It's, it's, been, it's not been a professional endeavor. It's been an endeavor of the heart, yeah. which I, to which I think I bring professional skill, mm -hmm. but it's it's a much bigger thing than that for me. And which is one reason why I'm so thrilled to come to Austin to promote the new production of At This Act, because this is a the, this is the proof of the pudding is in the play. Mm -hmm. And this wonderful actress who's going to do Anne uh, At This Act, you know, about 10 different people have played Anne by now. And uh, theaters have done it, and more and more theaters are going to do it. It's already licensed far into the future at some big regional theaters. And makes me very, very proud to have, have this play. Uh, as sort of the achievement of my life. But Libby Villari is an actress who had been doing it in various theaters in the country, some small theaters, oh. because she fell in love with it. And it, for her, too, it became a real 
heart need to perform it. Right. Um, and she performed it, and in, in, it was her effort to do something for the country. And in a sense, I was the same when I felt that the country had lost a voice it needed right. to have mm -hmm. in the zeitgeist. Yeah. Well, everybody, sure. Anne will be remembered for many, many reasons, and my play is, is just contributes to those ways in which Anne is preserved in our heritage. Absolutely. But I think that Anne's fame will actually increase over time. I think she will Agreed. become mm -hmm. truly one of the great American icons. Mm -hmm. And uh, Libby Villari had been doing... Anne and I heard about it. I knew about it because she had to license the play. Mm -hmm. She did it in, some, in a small arts festival in California yeah. and a few other places. And then she started doing it as fundraisers. Really? Various political candidates, yeah. and she like she would take it. She would she would rent a church or a town hall and do it as a fundraiser for Beto. She raised twenty grand, wow. gave a twenty grand check to his uh, campaign, and she Incredible. did it for other candidates yeah. as well. I thought, my God, that is a page right out of the playbook of That's Anne right. Richards yeah. herself. Yeah. She is cut from the same boat, and so the Zach had Anne on their schedule for this year, and various people were in talks with them to do it. And as these things happen in show business. Mm -hmm. This is the great danger yep. that schedules didn't work out. Mm -hmm. And suddenly the Zach had to find an actress who was going to do it. And there was Libby Valari right on their doorstep. Wow, wow. And it, it, meant to it be. was really meant to be, mm -hmm. absolutely meant to mm. be. And she absolutely has the stuff. I couldn't be more thrilled. Well, it's so excited. I can't wait to see her perform it. So oh, when she's, she's remarkable. And when you see other actresses do that, is that what's that dynamic like for well, you? Well, I ha I haven't seen those actresses. Oh, you before, haven't? No. Oh gosh. I, I, well, okay. I, I still I still might still do the play. I don't think it's good for me to. Got it. To, okay. But uh, the fact is, I also don't want to cramp anybody's style. Mm -hmm. So you I, wouldn't give them notes. I don't. I know. Okay. I don't, I don't think. <laughs> I don't think an actress needs to. Here's there's, here's what Anne and I think <laughs> <Yeah>. would have <laughs> happened. <laughs> I don't think an right. actress needs to have me <laughs> okay. in the house. I don't right. think that. I don't think gotcha. that would be helpful. Okay. I do talk to a number of them. I talked at length with Libby okay, about great. some of the background that she might not have easy access to. Mm -hmm. Like for instance, she has to talk to about twenty-five people when she's doing the governor's office scene. Sure. And I talk to her about each of those relationships so that she would understand. Because that's partly the point right. in the play yeah. is showing how she acted with under different circumstances with right. different people. Yeah. So I gave her a backstory on all the relationships and I talked to her about uh, what I knew, which is quite a lot, about mm -hmm. Anne's relationship to certain issues, mm -hmm. like the, um, the Sierra Blanca, the nuclear dump issue in, right. in uh, that part of uh, Husband County and, and also the death penalty, which mm -hmm. Anne mm -hmm. confronted about once a month in her entire tenure, right. there were, mm. I believe, 48 prisoners who were put to their death during the time that yeah. Anne was governor. Mm. And two, two people were given stays by her, which, as you all know, is just a 30-day reprieve. Right. That The governor is uh, not in a constitutional position to, to issue a pardon. The mm -hmm. Board of Paroles and Pardons has to do that. Yeah. But she can issue a stay, and she wrestled hard over this with many, many candidates, if you will, and she did issue two, and one of those cases is somewhat present and discussed in the play. And I, I must have spent a total of at least uh, five or six hours talking with Dave Talbot, who was Talbot, who was uh, Anne's um, general counsel. Mm -hmm. Wonderful man, Talbot is, and I gave him a hard time in the play because he wrote a summary of this case for Anne, and she complains about how, how you know, she's not getting some straight advice from him about right. what to do because right. this is really a hard case. Yeah. 
And uh, so a lot of research went into the small revelations about mm -hmm. it that happened in the play. This mm -hmm. is, you can only give a, a play is a very strict mistress. There's, right. there's, you've got probably a total of about an hour and 45 minutes of material right. in which to cover so many things. Yes. So everything that you focus on must be in concise, intense, poetically, mm -hmm. poetically structured so that it has impact, but you don't have any extra room there. Mm -hmm. But you know, hundreds of hours of work goes behind every minute of course oh, yeah on I can stage. only imagine yeah yeah what would you say to to people who because she like a lot of folks had had as many fans as she did detractors yes what would you tell the detractors who who you know aren't buying what your portrayal is what would you tell them well you know i i never actually talked to anybody that had an objection to my portrayal because of course i'm not there's nothing that's I don't really discuss issues and politics mm -hmm. in the play. Yeah. It's really much more about showing how this person lived her life right. and how she conducted herself. It's about living. Mm -hmm. It's about living a purposeful life. Mm -hmm. It's about living well and living with integrity. Right. And I don't think uh, any of her detractors would probably challenge those things. Mm -hmm. uh, as I said, there people cross the aisle to Ann Richards all the time. Sure. She was a wonderful, extraordinary person. And people who objected to certain of her policies, what, what, why would I have any argument with them? Sure. Everybody, yeah. you know, everyone has their a, stuff. Everyone has their stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would never try to convince somebody they should be take a different position from the one that they have. I right. could just say, well, this is what Anne felt. Right. This right. is how she did it. Yeah. Did you do anything, especially certainly when you were on Broadway as well as when you've you've traveled with it? Did you have any sort of mantra? Did you have any sort of, I don't know, hug an old pair of her shoes before you went <laughs> on? You know, I know there's a lot of a lot of, you know, you theater people are superstitious people. So I had various I had various mementos and oh, things good. that actually okay. were hers that were on my dressing table. Oh great! And I, I actually, as I think of it now, I mean, when you're in a play, you often do have very formal, regular things that you do. So it becomes mm -hmm. sort of, I'm not deeply superstitious, but I, but you, the theater is a, a, a patterned, right. yeah. a very it's a patterned discipline. thing. Yeah. And uh, I have a, there was a sort of a porcelain case, a round porcelain jar, if you will, with a lid on top that has the, the star of Texas, the seal of the state oh. on top. That was Anne's, that was on her desk. Great. And it was given to Liz Smith. Mm -hmm. who was okay. her great Another dear friend. Another great Texan, and, right. And when I did the play on Broadway, Liz gave me that. Oh, so I had oh. that I had that on my dressing table, mm -hmm. and it was the last thing I touched before I went on stage. Gotcha. So I, I, wow. I did always, by habit, do that. And uh, I thought about Anne a great deal. I have music that I associate with her. Mm -hmm. um, there's a Nancy Griffith recording, mm -hmm. uh, that I that I always play that evokes her very 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 deeply. Beyond the Great Divide is the song that that the Great Divide is the song that uh, Nancy s s she sang at this small private funeral for Anne, oh, and wow. that that music always just transport gotcha. transports me. Wow, yeah. that's wow. amazing. Well, and one thing that I'm sorry, go yeah, ahead. I was gonna I was gonna ask. I kind of wanted to go back to something you said yeah. earlier, um, and you know, really about Anne being a a passion of the heart and a play yeah. of the heart. And you had mentioned, you know, you cut, you you cut back your role on a top top show. Yeah. What advice would you give to somebody who is is in a really you know really successful place to pursue something of their passion that really will lead 
down the road to just all kinds of dividends and rewards yeah. that you couldn't even imagine. I would say that people should always follow their hearts and their work because mm -hmm. there are, Freud said himself, there are two things in life. There is work and there is love. And work is very important. As I've gotten older, I, I realized that I am the luckiest person in the mm -hmm. world to have had such a noble calling, to have had such a, a high and rich, emotionally rich and spiritually valuable thing to do mm -hmm. as this Anne Project. If, if, if a person is lucky enough to get close to something that could mean something to them, it, it's worth any uh, amount of right. Uh, expense or loss of income to do it because it's what will stay with you. Mm -hmm. I mean, the whole Anne Richards play and everything about it has certainly never was was never financially rewarding at all. In fact, quite the contrary, because I developed the play mm -hmm. uh, over the years uh, before it was picked up for Broadway. Mm -hmm. I, I basically mm -hmm. I basically funded the whole existence of the play in the first, like at the Galveston Grand Opera House. You can't run a play for one week and and right. and pay right. for your set even. Yeah. you know. Right. So it was like it was the joy of my life to be mm -hmm. able to create something. Um, that it that was that is meaningful to so many people. Mm -hmm. I, I I mean, what a privilege! So I would say, follow your heart. If you have a heart pull to do something, by God, do it, no matter what it takes mm -hmm. or what it costs, because it will stay with you, and mean something when nothing else will be even remembered. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's great advice. Yeah, that is. You know, people I know, and like I mentioned to you before we uh, went on air, you know, my family knew Ann Richards and lots mm -hmm. of other folks that I knew and even traveled with her, went on safari with her. Oh, how great. Right. So the. the I have pictures from that safari. Claire okay. Coryoth was on that safari. Yeah. Yeah. Karen Kirkendall, yeah. who was a great of theater course. legend here. I know, and associated who, with the Zach Theater and the Kirkendall stage. That's exactly right. Who you two kind of, <clears throat> you have the same vibe, you have the same energy, which is always very touching to see. Don't you think? Yeah. Thank well, you. that's lovely to hear because I've true. heard most glorious things about that woman. Oh, she, oh, was, a, she was a pistol. Absolutely. She was one of a kind. And so and so, I would say that, I mean, and, the, and she always said, you know, what you see is what you get with mm -hmm. Ann Richards. I right. mean, there's no yeah. tailoring to there's specifics. There's nothing else it's, going on. Right. There's nothing else going on. Yeah. There's no ulterior right. motive that's, she is who she is. Right. And she puts it out there. And if you like it, great. If you don't. That's okay too, but most right. people do, right? Right. Yeah. Right. So it's right. fascinating how you've really captured that essence and yeah. you continue to. Well, and she was, it's interesting. She was certainly very, uh, could be very rough with uh, people who worked with her, but I think that the, uh, many people that I talked to would be telling me about some, you know, some time when they were, you know, just worked to the bone and there'd be tears in their mm -hmm. eyes as they talked about working with her because it, right. it meant so much to them. Yeah. Uh, they said she was always working harder than we were. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, she she put her money where her mouth was all the time. Yeah. So with this noble cause and calling yes. that you said, yes. so as you continue to be a part of this that you've created, this yeah. sort of, yes. I don't know what you would call it. I mean, it's like a mistress. I mean, it's I mean, it's a, yeah. a spouse or That's a, a sibling. That's a great way to describe yeah. it. Well, it's, right? a, it's just that she's become family to yeah, me. Family, she's yeah, family, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm, 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 in absolutely in, in enmeshed with her history and her meaning. So how do you continue this legacy in addition to the local theaters? How does this all 
continue to perpetuate? What's your vision for the growth of well, this? Well, I think that the play has been picked up by some major theaters, and I think it will be done. And, and uh, there's a movie of my version of the play that exists on, on uh, Broadway HD, which is sort of yep. like a Netflix yep. for filmed plays. Mm -hmm. And I, I just think that it will, con it will, it will be in the literature of the theater as a, as a great persona, a great American persona. Right. I expect the play will be will be continued to be done forever, forever, yeah. forever yeah. and ever. I would, yeah. Well, listen, I don't know what forever <laughs> means. Now, I'm a big archaeology buff, and there've been oh, you know, all civilizations come to an end. In this that is true as well. Yeah, well, I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully this this play and, and, and the messages will help perpetuate our civilization well, a little bit longer. <laughs> I don't know. Lately, I've, I've really been wondering what's going right. on. Yeah, I think we all have. Absolutely. So, we're getting a little short on time, but yes. we we did ask one kind of fun question yeah. um, that we had we had given to you in advance, and that is besides Ann Richards, who are five people that you would want to host, alive or not, f at a dinner party? Oh, you know what? I should have prepared and asked. <laughs> uh, Everyone she's worked with, which are some of the coolest people I on know, the planet, truly. probably five people. Besides Ann. Besides Ann. Ann gonna be there. And we'll be there. You yeah. and Ann are hosting it together. Yeah. So how about how about you two are hosting it? Well, Who are the five that you would pick yeah. together? Uh, given the given the field I'm working in, and given the fact that I wrote that play, I would think other women leaders, and I would think okay. that um, I would think that Barbara Jordan would be mm -hmm. one. I would fabulous give anything on earth mm -hmm. uh, to know Barbara Jordan. Yeah, I would just. I mean. There's another one, you know, Viola Davis yeah. is apparently going to do. I've heard that, read that. Yeah. Somebody's got it. That Barbara Jordan is yeah, not yeah. known by the average young person is yeah. truly, well, truly. And it's painful. really sad because it's the Barbara Jordan terminal that everyone comes in and out the of airport. ABIA. Well, I and understand. A lot of them don't even know but the thing is, who I, she it's, is. It's interesting that that statue is there. Yeah. That is a beautiful bronze. It I is. actually wish it were on the lawn in front of the Capitol. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I know. I, I mean, I know it has meaning that it welcomes travelers, but I think a more significant meaning would be in front of the Capitol. Yeah. Let's hit the blogs on that. Let's tweet about it. You know, I, <laughs> that's how things happen. Yeah, I think I think that would be great. But I think women leaders interest me, and I think it would be. I think it would be. Uh, More fans are here. That was I the think, doorbell for everyone listening. I think I'd love Eleanor Roosevelt to be. Oh uh, yeah, another biggie. Absolutely. I would like Elizabeth the first of England. Given everything so that she had to go through during her reign to keep the reign over half a century or right. nearly half a century, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, that so would true. be very that would be very interesting. I think Catherine the Great, Joan of Arc. You've hit some high notes yeah, on that. Yeah, you really did. Now that would be a comma in Holland Taylor, that would which kind of rounds out that table. list. But uh, <laughs> of all those people, it would be Barbara Jordan. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's because of where our culture and our society is today. Right. I think I, I think Barbara Jordan's voice would absolutely stop the nation cold. And the, the, I the government, agree. The mm -hmm. government, I actually believe that either she or Anne had the personal rhetoric yeah. mm -hmm. that would they would be able to say something, make a statement right now that would be unbrookable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That the that action would have to be taken, as Barbara Jordan did mm -hmm. in the in the Nixon era. Yeah. After she spoke Water in that congressional oh, yeah. hearing, the government could not proceed mm -hmm. without mm -hmm. taking action yeah. and her rhetoric alone made that happen mm -hmm. yeah and her belief system that's part of it i mean yes. it's along with ann yes. richards and yes. those who are called to the higher yes. power of that and barbara's stand was just profound it was right. so profound you could yeah. not shake her she could not be moved right yeah. and in that the government found its strength mm -hmm. and uh 
we're going to need something like that today because nothing is moving people. Yeah. Uh, do you think nothing it's the people as well as I the, I don't understand. There's not a I mover could, and there's. I could not. Uh, I could I not pretend to understand it. I know. It is a subject of complete astonishment mm -hmm. on my part. Yeah. And it's a topic what is happening in this that country. is everywhere. Yeah. At every dinner and party, every I mean, everywhere. Yeah. We are. Uh, they say it can't happen here. It, it seems to be happening here, and the inaction of uh, one part of our government is unbelievable to me. Yeah, absolutely yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Well, thank you, Holland Taylor, for sharing your voice and your talent you. and your calling. Well, well thank before you. we go, Truly. There, there's always the final question. That oh my we gosh, ask, and oh, that wait, is, more. what is one trait that all stylish people have? Or talented people in your case, stylishly talented. Or successful. We could even go with successful. We are successful with style. Uh, they are true to some inner inner feeling rather than an outer influence. Perfect. Mic drop moment. That, that is a mic drop moment. Wow. Absolutely. You heard it here first. <laughs> well, we expect to be hearing more from you about your projects and certainly Anne and, and your continued great success. And we're so thrilled to be here. And, and we, we hope that you will come on again the next time you're in town. Would you please? I absolutely will. And I, I'm, and I have to make a mental note to remember to tell you, cause I've got a very, I've actually a very big professional thing coming up that isn't announced yet. Okay. There's a, Truly big deal. Well, that's so, so exciting. That exciting. was a tease. Okay. I wouldn't call that a spoiler, but that's a little bit of a yeah. teaser. So you heard it here first, folks. That's well, right. I'll, I'll give it to you. I will give it to <laughs> okay. you. Awesome. When I, when I know it should be okay. like next week. I should Thank you. Know. Oh, that's fantastic. Imminent. Yeah, that's soon. <laughs> real Good. soon. Thank you. Great. Well, we're thrilled to have you in Texas. Thank thrilled you. Thrilled so to be much. here at the Four Seasons, and we look forward to more fun times with the great Holland Taylor. <laughs> yes. Thank and you ju so much. just as a reminder to everybody, um, Anne will be performing at Zach Scott Theater in Austin from July 31st through September 8th. That's right. And and everyone, stay tuned for our next. What, our next uh, podcast, but it won't be as cool as you, I can tell you that. <laughs> no way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Lance Every Morgan, everyone. And I'm Rob Giardinelli, signing off with Success With Style, reminding you the great style starts by having a unique point of view. Have a great day, everyone. Bye, everyone. <laughs>